Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 21. Recent Observations with Snakeheads in the Potomac River. I've been out fishing on the Potomac River about every day now in 2011 since March 26th when Shad Season Store started. Didn't see a snakehead for the first full month. Uh, spoke to other anglers, hadn't seen them either. The day after Easter, I have a client. We are walking down to the sandy beach in the tidal section of the Potomac River around Chain Bridge. And there's a creek running into the muddy Potomac. The creek water is clear. And the first thing I notice is a snakehead of about 26 inches just lazily holding in that calm water at the mouth of the creek. It's a sandy beach, the water's maybe six or seven inches deep, and this snakehead is, for a better word, chilling. It is just hanging out there. The snakehead had no fear of me. I walked up, entered the water with my wellies, and poked it with my net, and it kind of just drifted off into the murky depths of the main branch of the Potomac. 
I was ecstatic. Uh, my first reaction was, forget all the shad. We are doing snakeheads today. So we rigged up the rods with curly tail bunnies and clousers and zonkers and you name it. And started throwing sink tips and floating lines out into the mouth of this creek. There were snakeheads rising literally everywhere. From two days before not having seen a single snakehead to now they were everywhere. The joke was the Easter Bunny brought them. It was Monday the 24th and it was a bonanza of snakeheads. The fish were coming up very slowly to the surface. They would just poke their mouth out, take a sip, and their head would slowly sink back down. The only thing I can relate that to would be a turtle coming up to breathe or an alligator just poking its head up, taking a breath, and slowly sinking down. Minimal swirls, no sound, uh, very docile, very quiet. We fished for about two hours and no luck in the snakeheads. Um, we thought we had one chasing one of my scorpion bug poppers, but uh, upon further conclusion, that fish just happened to come up and take a breath next to where my fly was being stripped across the water. Some of these fish were coming up to breathe right under our feet. They were hanging out literally under our toes. Um, for a, my client who had never seen a snakehead before, he was blown away. And for myself, having seen them coming up and splashing very loud all last season, I'd never seen them this docile and close to us. There was one right at the drop-off where the creek entered the Potomac, and the herring were everywhere. I mean, you could put in a landing net and scoop up as many herring if you wanted to, which would be illegal. And there was a snakehead just hanging out in like six inches of crystal clear water. I took some rocks and just kind of threw it over towards its direction, and the fish did not care. It was amazing. Um, this fish was 28, 30 inches. I mean, it was thicker than my calf, and I'm a pretty skinny dude. Um, yeah, it, as my client said, it had no fear of humans. These fish were coming up. You could poke them with your, the butt of your rod. You could poke them with your rod tip. They really didn't care. Some guys showed up with cast nets after about two hours of fishing. And when the fish would come up to breathe, they would throw it out, and they landed one. The first one was probably about 24 inches long, absolutely beautiful. Um, the coloration on it was stunning of bronze and olives with dark black splotches. It looked exactly like a two-foot-long boa constrictor. It was shiny. It was covered in slime. Um, we couldn't get it to open its mouth to show everybody. A Vietnamese guy runs over. Um, starts asking if he can have it and my buddy's like no 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 we're, we're photographing this one this is my dinner tonight um, I give uh, my new friends the, the, the guy with the net um, my aluminum baseball bat I picked up from Bass Pro Shops the offshore angler fish bashing club so um, this guy takes it and beats it on the head and to our surprise that bat bounces off the skull he hits it again and it makes this pinging sound, um, analogous to hitting a stop sign with an aluminum baseball bat or a college baseball guy hitting a line drive with an aluminum bat. We have it on video. I, I can try and get that on my website. It's on uh, Facebook right now. So about five or six hits later, the skull finally caves in, blood comes out of the gills, the eyes, 
um, go back into the head, the fish is dead. So everyone is taking turns holding this absolutely beautiful uh, snakehead destined for dinner. Then the guys just leave it in the sand and um, throw the cast in out and get two more. These ones are bigger. One was estimated at 20 pounds and uh, the guy who caught it grew up in Florida, um, worked on a tarpon boat. He says he, he knows uh, fish sizes pretty well. The thing was probably the biggest snakehead I'd ever seen. So he gives the little one to the Vietnamese guy. He keeps the big one for himself and we're all holding it and photographing it. The smaller one he caught in that same throw he gave to my client. So he bashed it over the head, got a trash bag off the beach and my client had dinner for the night. So while Andrew has this giant snakehead that he pulled out, not giant as in the name, um, these are northern snakeheads, Chana Argus, he's holding this gigantic fish up and he drops it because we haven't killed it yet. and. It flops around in the sand and he picks it up. Within maybe 10 to 15 seconds, the amount of mucus secreted by this fish had cleaned off the sand on the entire fish. It was bizarre. It was alien-like. The only thing you could compare it to would be Ghostbusters with the ectoplasm. The fish was shiny and bright again with no sand on it. So Andrew puts down the fish, takes the bat, beats it about seven times over the head. Uh, we all decided to walk off. Um, got a text from him that night, said it fed 20 people at a barbecue and it was delicious. Uh, meanwhile, I'm remembering this as it's going. It was uh, about two weeks ago. Um, I asked him to gut the fish for us. I want to know what these fish are eating because we've been throwing, like I said, zonkers, curly tail bunnies, clousers, poppers, shad darts, damsel nymphs, nothing. Meanwhile, we've been catching uh, American shad, herring, perch, huge crappie, and gizzard chat all day, but no snakeheads. So um, all three fish were females, so obviously they were probably up there to spawn. The first one um, had completely empty stomach contents, nothing was in it, full of roe that was sort of tangerine orange looking and the size of poppy seeds, two large sacks of roe. And as he's cutting it open, he said it was not like any fish he'd ever gutted before. Very small abdominal cavity, which was basically all eggs, uh, small stomach, very small liver. I couldn't see kidneys, uh, big air bladder, and then the rest was like inch thick meat all the way down to the tail. The big one he gutted had a completely empty stomach except for one little bone. It looked like it could have been the first dorsal spine of a fish. It was hard to tell, but 100% you could say empty stomach. There were no striped killifish, no frogs, no mice, no minnows, crayfish. The other things that these fish are supposed to be eating the Potomac, they were not in their stomach. So, conclusion, um, three out of three, that's 100% fish uh, captured and sampled in the Potomac River at Chain Bridge on the day after Easter were 100% female, 100% empty stomach contents. That ended the day. The next day I go out there with my clients, same thing. Snakeheads, absolutely everywhere. We are getting skunked fishing for them. We're catching again white perch, giant crappie, American shad, gizzard shad, and herring. No snakeheads. My client is on fish all day. It's spectacular. We are just watching these fish come up and breathe in front of us. And as we're walking down the river, I'm like, dude, you ever seen a snakehead before? And he's like, no, I've never seen one. I was like, they're going to be coming up under your feet to breathe air, and you're going to flip out how big these fish are. And the fact that they're going to come up and you can pretty much step on them if you want or kick them. 
So we get down there, and he's like, you were totally right. Uh, after, you know, two or three climbs that day, six hours fishing, not a single snakehead. People are out there with cast nets and dip nets. Um, the Vietnamese guys are with landing nets, the same one I'm using right now. Mine's the Kmart green aluminum one. They're walking around with their pants rolled up to their thighs in the shallows on the beach, um, presumably looking for snakeheads to rise and scoop them up. Not seeing anything. Wednesday, I'm out there fishing early morning with Trent Jones, a uh, member of TPFR.org, the Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders. Trent and I are fishing. We're getting huge crappy. American shad, white perch, gizzard shad, herring. He's throwing inch-long clousers. We're switching back and forth. Damsel nymphs are slamming them. We're joking. Hey, man, we could honestly get a spear when these fish come up. We could stab them in the head. And then we start joking. Hey, you know those like frog spears you'd see in the back of Bass Pro Shops? That would probably work. I kid you not, 10 minutes later, this guy comes up with a green and wood metal pitchfork. Three prongs on it. He introduces himself. His name's like Ross or Ron. So what are you going to do with that? He's like, oh, I'm catching snakeheads. We're like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. This guy is... 5'5", five, five. he's got a four foot pitchfork and he's going down river. Not 10 minutes later, he walks up to us with a writhing, gigantic snakehead stuck on the pitchfork, blood everywhere. He's hysterical laughing. Trent and I are crapping ourselves. We think it's the most amazing thing we've ever seen. We couldn't believe it happened. And that continues that every day on the Potomac, you see something new that will totally amaze you. The thing flops off of the spikes falls on the ground he stabs it again it's now got six holes in it and it is still fighting to get back in the water unbelievable his buddy over on the other side actually has one of those frog spears that you'd see in bass pro shops he however steps into the beach and loses his flip-flop and decides he really doesn't want to walk around all the scree slope along the potomac barefoot so that was uh, probably the most amazing thing we'd seen all day the next morning, I'm out with my client, Rebecca, hardcore girl. She shows up. She's got uh, her own rods, reel. She's got a trailer hitch on the back of her car. She's got her own boat. And she's got a float tube in the back seat of her car. Very cool girl. She slays him. She catches the crappy. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The shad, herring, etc. No snakeheads. We can't get one for our life. We fish for a couple hours. Um, it starts pouring. It's the same day as the tornadoes were moving through the south. Um, it was pretty sketchy out there, so when the sky opened up, we got the hell out of there holding in, uh, 11-foot lightning rods. The next day, uh, Friday, I don't remember too much of what I was doing that day, but it was the day I decided to put my gear down and just walk the shoreline with my net. Hey, if you can snag a pitchfork-caught fish, why not a net-caught one? So uh, about 20 or 30 yards downstream, I see the rippling dorsal fin right under the surface of a little eddy it's high tide. The snakehead is pushed up parallel to the water. I kid you not, I gingerly just kind of walk over to it, 
put the net in and scoop up a 24 inch snakehead. Um, you know, I pretty much had the greatest adrenaline rush I've had in a long time. It's the first snakehead I've caught. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to catch them on a fly. So now I've got my first snakehead. What do I do with it? Well, um, I had lost the small bat, so I had nothing to kill it with. So I walk back to the shoreline and I find a stringer on the ground. Um, I bash its head in with a rock, and I'll admit that's the first time I, uh, of, in memory, I have killed an animal. I don't hunt, I don't eat any of the fish we catch, um, you know, except for I'd use some shrimp as bait in the Keys in the 90s. That's honestly the first organism I've killed for. I mean, legally, you've got to kill them. You're in DC waters. So I bash its head into the rock. I string it up. I have to use pliers to open its mouth because it's like a bulldog. It won't budge. So I got its mouth open with one pair of pliers, shove in the stringer, tie it to a tree branch, throw it in the water to keep the flies off it. I'm like, well, let's see if I can get another one. I go downstream. I get 10 feet past the last hole, and there are two of them in there. They honestly look like the screeching eels or shrieking eels from the Princess Bride. I mean, they're like 38, 42 inches long. They're in water, I mean, not more than ankle deep. Their dorsal fins are just kind of rippling out of the water. I walk up, scoop them both up, like that. I mean, it was like the days when I was a goalie for lacrosse, more like two weeks in eighth grade, where you just kind of put the net down and scoop up like you're getting a lacrosse ball. Got two giant snakeheads now in my net. Walk back. The stringer's full, so I bury them under the scree. Figure, I, I can't really... I don't know what I'm going to do with these guys yet. They're dripping slime everywhere. I'm photographing them. If you follow me on Twitter, at Rob Snow White. There's only one W in Snow White. I'm posting pictures on Twitter of this net filled with slimy snakeheads and filming them and photographing with my camera. And to, I take all the scree slope. It's just huge chunks of rocks, like the size of anvils and and uh, cinder blocks and I bury these fish completely covered like a burial mound there's not a single piece of fish exposed they're like two layers deep in rock and I go fishing get into the shad, get into the herring get into the perch, get into the crappie I start hearing this rustling sound I look up, those fish had gotten out of the rock piles they were under and were flopping back down to the river so I go up bash them in the head with a rock and uh, put them on the stringer. Turns out, um, friends came later in the day and took them all home with them. One of them, we gutted them, of course. Stomach contents completely empty, all female, orange row. Um, some of them had parasitic cysts in them. So when it was gutted, we popped. There were little itty bitty cysts. cysts. Uh, we popped them, and you know, about three inch long worm came out. Next time, we're going to try and uh, get them in some kind of formalin or uh, fixative to get off to the biologist at USGS or uh, John Odenkirk with Virginia Department of Game and Fisheries, see what they were. Um, one of the heads is severed, the biggest snakehead of the day. I take it home in a plastic bag and I put it on the shrubs outside Chicago Lady's house. If I haven't mentioned Chicago Lady, it's our neighbor downstairs who lives in Chicago. She comes out twice a year, so I figure she's not home. I can put this like 10-inch skull on her shrubs and hopefully the flies and domestic beetles are going to clean it and then I can get a better look at the skull structure. I want to know what its mandible looks like. I want to know what its teeth look like when it's all cleaned and the gums are gone. I want to know how thick its actual skull structure is as to why it takes so long for us to bash their heads in. 
So, uh, yeah, it's out there for two days and it's gone. I don't know if somebody came by and saw it. It's pretty well camouflaged in to the uh, the bushes or uh, a raccoon somehow climbed up, but I'm pissed. Someone or something took that. So that's what I saw the first couple of days, uh, the first week after Easter. Um, this week, it's today is May 12, 2011. The last couple of days, the snakeheads have gone off of the shoreline. Uh, maybe they've caught on to the people with pitchforks, homemade spears, homemade spears including barbecue tongs and barbecue forks duct taped to PVC pipes, pieces of grills, the top that you put your burgers on that have been cut, so there's lots of prongs on them. Those fashioned to tree branches and broom handles. So I say cast nets, dip nets, throw nets, seines. Um, I have seen people cutting tree branches off and using a knife to sharpen them for spears. Um, so these fish have been in sort of decline. I don't know if it's because it's their behavior, they're moving somewhere else. The water was at six and a half feet at Little Falls when they were up on the banks. Now it's down to four and a half feet. So there's a lot of water that's gone and the mouth of that creek is dry. So there's less access for them up in the shoreline and along the rocks. Um, the police have also been coming out and busting anybody with a cast net, dip net, throw net, saying $100 fine. They make you pick up all the garbage within like a 100 foot radius. They confiscate everything. According to the police, most of those fish are, and including all the herring, all the shad they're catching, all the perch, snakeheads are all going to restaurants in Annandale, Alexandria, and Arlington. So the cops are out there in force. We actually have their number. You can give them a call, and they will be out there in 10 minutes busting people. So go to my website, robsnowwhite.com, click podcasts. Um, I'll have pictures up. You can also go to my blog, robsnowwhite.com, blogs on the left-hand side. So I think I've covered the story of the last week. So now they're, they're fished out, maybe. They're offshore a little bit. They're coming up. It's not so much their head coming up to breathe. It's their whole body's coming to the surface. They're taking a gulp, and you see their back arch and their tail kind of push them down. They're exposing more of their body. You're seeing the... Um, the pattern on the side of them. You're not just seeing that little mouth come up and just sink back down to the depth. Puke is, as soon as they come out of the water, they won't take flies. They have no interest in that. They will jump out of the water if caught in a pool with low tide. So there was uh, a pool um, with like a crossbar of rocks going across it, and this snakehead just launched itself out over the rock and back in the Potomac. Did not know snakeheads would jump out of the water. They will jump over rocks to get out of the way from the net. So when we were filming, um, I just got this random dude on shore to film me. Um, he, of course, had the camera pointing at like his feet, so it didn't work. But I was going in to scoop him out, and two snakeheads jumped out of the water like torpedoes. Just breached that water, went over a rock about knee-high, and back into the Potomac. Smaller fish have been more pronounced uh, color patterns, uh, color patterns, coloration. Uh, the larger fish, it's um, less coloring on them, less distinct. You can catch them with a cast net, which is illegal as soon as they come up to breathe. The head and shoulders are prominently larger on bigger fish. So the larger they are, there's going to be more of a shoulder and the base of the skull between the pec fins and the, like the back of the head. It's huge. More just girthy, I guess would be the term. The face or anterior end 
um, I'm sorry, the posterior end, that's the face, is small and not a good measure of how big the fish is when it breathes. Is that to limit the amount of fish exposed when it's breathing? You can't say that's a 40 inch fish or a 20 inch fish when they come up to breathe because their mouth and face is extremely small. Um, if you see the shoulders, then you know it's a bigger fish. Fish are not scared of rocks being thrown at them. Uh, fine for cast nets is $100. Most fish are going to the restaurants and markets according to the police officers. Most of the bycatch from the cast nets are discarded on the shore. The broken nets are littering the trees and the snags on the water. Um, if they're broken, they're usually just left on shore. People come around and cut all the weights off of them. Spears are illegal. I've seen them at pitchforks, carved from branches, some made from grills. Um, I've already talked about that. And as the water level drops, uh, currently they are more out in the current later in the season. Acting differently, the whole body comes up. That's a little redundant. So hopefully um, the next week or so they're going to be done with their spawn. Maybe there'll be some males up here. We haven't seen any of those. They um, hopefully will start taking flies because uh, I want to make the Potomac River a destination fly fishing. And specifically the tidal Potomac. One was caught last week above Great Falls. Um, it was at White's Ferry, which is between Leesburg and Poolsville on the Potomac River. So that means they are now above Great Falls. Now they could have gotten up Great Falls um, through the Sino Canal. Somebody could have dumped them up there. We're not sure, but they're up there. I will also be posting a video on YouTube of me catching a snakehead with a net. Um, Trent Jones was filming that. It was pretty awesome. So I thank you for downloading Series 1, Episode 21 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This has been a brief, if you consider that, summary of the last two weeks' observations of snakeheads, which are a new introduced species to the Potomac watershed, specifically the tidal Potomac, which is uh, chain bridge down to the mouth of the Potomac at Chesapeake Bay. Thanks again. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.